0: Hi, everybody. This is Jocelyn, and I have Steve North with me today. Welcome, Steve.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Excited.
0: Good. Me too. I'm really excited. Um, I did a, a really quick podcast on Twin Flames, Past Lives and Soulmates, and I mentioned you a few times in the podcast, just so that the audience knows. Steve, is to me, is one of the most fascinating individuals. He has a story Um, about his, and we're going to talk about spirit guides and his spirit guide is named Amy. And anytime you read about Steve, you'll see Steve and Amy North. So a little bit about you. I was, you know, checking out your website and I love everything that you have on your website and we'll tell the audience where to find you at the end of the podcast. But one of the things that really captivated me was a story that you had written on your blog. About becoming who you are now. And you had said there was a lot of pain in your early years. Like everybody had said to you, you'll never amount to anything. That was your message. And, you know, who you were and who you are now are, are complete opposites. And so I wanted you to give the audience a little bit of your background as a younger man and how you came to know Amy, and and the most interesting, compelling story about your last life with you and Amy. Um, because I think it's really important for us to reconnect with our spirit guides. And Steve's going to give us a lot of information and insight as to how to do that. Uh, so Steve, I'm going to give you the floor. Please talk a little bit about uh, your, your younger years first.
1: Okay, so when I was growing up, uh, life was very isolated. Um, I you kind of had friends, but then you kind of didn't have friends. And when you're a young male, like you, know, you, you it's always about friends, especially at school, because you want to play, you want to enjoy life. And that never really occurred. There was maybe one or two, but then what I found, I used to go from primary school to primary school because I never really fit in anywhere. Um, and when I went to one primary school, I kept getting abused because I was very different and they didn't know why, but because, um, and it really played a role on the, on my, uh, on my psychology. So then as things went through and went from, one primary school to another primary school and that led then led to um, our version of high school, the abuse of constantly being gay and all this sort of stuff, which I'm not. um, But because it it was just like children can be very nasty. Absolutely. And, And it really led me to that, to having to just live in my own reality, live in my own world and really just be withdrawn, which I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I was playing sports, so sport was the most exciting thing for me, and I loved it, and that's where I had friends and kind of just went from one thing to another thing to another thing. I realized when I look at high school, I everyone always associated with one group of friends, but I was always being with different group of friends at different times of the day because I always liked to socialize and not be in the same place. Um, but also in primary school for me, uh, they went, th- went through um, – Drug therapy regime for ADHD, and uh, although that was like, you know, the saying that the reason why it was for um, to help me with school, I went from failing to straight A's. Um, It just life at the time just felt like an illusion. I didn't really know what was going on, Um, I didn't understand anything, and then even it it also led into my 20s after I left high school, I went into. Uh, And that's when I met the ex-wife, and it was always this belief system of you're not good enough, you won't amount to anything, um, you won't study, you won't do this, you won't do that, because even in primary school with the medication, I kind of just breezed through school. I always found things that I was interested in more, like learning by doing rather than learning by reading a book. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really, uh, like for me living it, I thought it was just life as normal, but once I started diving into, like what we call the awakening period around 2012, life really started changing. Once I met someone who, um, who was, uh, you know, clairvoyant and could see things, they started really opening me up to where we are at today. So it's always been like a, a, a stage in evolution. And one of the things that Amy revealed is. Now, because of all the pain that I was experiencing growing up in youth, because we're so intertwined between the spirit guide and incarnate, she too was feeling all the pain and she too was feeling all the emotions that was coming through. It was kind of a uh, very interesting experience with that one.
0: We, but before you start to talk about Amy, uh, let's talk about your past life with Amy first.
1: Um uh, the past life with Amy also feels like it was yesterday. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So we, I came from Texas. Amy came from Ohio, and we met in Golden Gate Park in 1969 at the Golden No, the Grateful Dead concert. Yep. And I remember the first time I laid my eyes on her, I was smitten. So um, during so we so in the in the period of 1969, we were hippies. Um, and we, and we believed in the freedom movement, but we didn't really have money. We didn't really have, you know, didn't really eat, but the love that we had for each other was so beautiful. We grew up in like the San Rafael area together and had many, many, many experiences, which I relived in 2018 when I was there. And wow, yeah, it was just, it was an extraordinary experience. And anytime I like and, and because of this, as Amy explains, because there's so much love for each other in this lifetime, that she's come forward in that form to continue on with that um, in that uh, relationship. And what was really interesting, and this is something I've not really mentioned, is that, and I've noticed it, that when I had relationships, I kept going back to that relationship and how it should work which I never thought of until recently. It's like, this is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But the exact same form is how she comes forward today. And it's just, oh, I loved it. Like when exploring it together in like in 2018 in San Francisco, it was just like living it yesterday. walking through the areas that we walked, walking through the areas that we spent time in and just, just exploring. And it's a very beautiful lifetime. Unfortunately, we decided to go to a party that turned in, that was actually a robbery. So um, I was shot first uh, by jumping in front of Amy so that she wouldn't die. And then a girl screamed and then she was shot from behind. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah. And that was
0: 1971?
1: Yes, 1971.
0: And then you reincarnated, did you say seven years later?
1: Yes, right? I, I read really, yeah. the way that Amy explains it is that um, I went and dealt with the trauma as best as much as fast as I could with being murdered because that lifetime was meant to be like having che- having kids che- having children and having the family and everything. I'm very disappointed in how someone forced their free will onto us. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I had to come back. Amy wasn't ready, so I said to Amy, "How about you be my spirit guide so that way we can continue being together?" Although we're not physically together, and we created that agreement that when she came, f- when I became consciously aware of her, that she would, that we would have that relationship again.
0: And when did you become consciously aware of her?
1: I became consciously aware of her in March of 2015. Mm-hmm. And once that be- happened, a series of events this is like one after the other after the other just completely, revol- like completely transformed my own life because I was very depressed. I wasn't happy. I was drinking a lot of alcohol because I was just trying to run away from experiences and really just wasn't happy at all. So in March, I met her. In April, I met someone else. In May, I was done for DUI and lost my license for 10 Ooh. months. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting because although she was always presenting herself You know, like, as time was building up towards becoming consciously aware of her and being introduced to her, and I was also under the impression that another person was my twin flame, when it turns out it wasn't, she came forward, she goes, I'm I'm your spirit guide, I'm your twin flame, and this is our story.
0: Wow. And, I mean, so you… How did that come through? Was it just downloaded? Uh, Did she start speaking to you? How did you know what was happening inside of you? Because I think a lot of people have lost touch with their spirit guides. They knew that they had them when they were kids and they lost touch.
1: The way I came about it was being prompted by thought. So, I would go to the spiritual development groups and the person would be like, my guides say this, my guides say that, my guides are saying this, my guides are saying that. And what I was finding interesting was that, well, if your guides are saying this, who are mine? And, mm. and then one day I was talking to one other student of this group that we're in, we were going to go to the, um, organizer can you like can we put in a like a workshop together to meet our spirit guides mm-hmm. and we, we you know we were getting excited but then all of a sudden everything just became um like turmoil without that, it with that venue and it never really happened so then i went and started looking on etsy for who are my guides and then i met my friend jocelyn thomas in the u.s and she channeled amy wow and it, it and works out that although I'm following these paths, these little breadcrumbs, it turns mm-hmm. out that Jocelyn and her spirit guide work together with Amy and myself.
0: Oh, how interesting. And so you were led to Jocelyn yep. who was to awaken you because, isn't that, it's so fascinating. I always tell people there are no coincidences they're, the reason things happen is because they're meant to happen, especially something as synchronistic as that.
1: Yeah. Wow. It, yeah, and it's just, as Amy puts it, it's like you leave the breadcrumbs behind because it's like when we have these experiences such as um, you know, they can't live our lives for us, we, they have to leave a breadcrumb and just really guide us to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. and one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and because I was in such a fragile place, I just threw myself into Amy and I said, let's see what comes from this.
0: And look what's come from it, a completely new life. Yeah. Which, and it's such a great life because you're actually able to create music with her and you're creating a healing environment for others. And so if you were going to, if the audience came to you and said to you, Okay, I I don't think I have a spirit guide. What would you say? Uh,
1: if someone came to me and said that they don't have a spirit guide, I'll be say I would just say that's not true. But we also have to be very careful because if someone says that they're disconnected, say from source or from a spirit guide or a guardian angel, whichever label we put to it, they've created that disconnection themselves.
0: Oh, interesting. So, so if Yeah, okay, keep going. Yeah, I'd like to know how they reconnect.
1: So if that belief system of disconnection is there, we need to break that belief system down. We also have been indoctrinated through religion and different cultures that the spirit guides or guardian angels or whatever label that we want to call it um, doesn't exist or it's the devil or it's frowned upon. Um, But in reality, the there's always a connection there no matter who it is. And the spirit guide is always, I mean, in my language, I refer to it as a spirit guide um, Mm -hmm. because, and then that's the one for life. So I would really sit down and go, okay, let's explore this connection. And rather than telling them, it would be like you can guide them and just highlight like the very basics of of communication with a spirit guide. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I left the front door unlocked and ran down to the shops to get something to eat for dinner. And I get this loud voice, go home. You're about to get broken into. And I didn't listen to it. And and then when I got home, there were two people walking down the end of the, walking down with the street while they did, while I did walk in the door and stole a whole bunch of empty CD cases that got my attention.
0: (laughs) Ah, and you know, I think everybody in their lifetime has an experience like that, they say, I don't know why, but I was just getting tapped on the shoulder and I just knew. And it's different from a gut feeling. It's it's almost like you hear the voice or the energy resonating within you. And and somehow that downloads the information and you hear, you need to go home. I, I mean, how you know, sometimes, and I've done this even, you know, when I'm walking my dog. I'll hear a voice, you know, I'm yanking the dog, I have a chow, so he's stubborn, and I'll be yanking him to go right, and I'll hear a voice say, let go, allow the dog to lead you. And and it specifically, it was about a year ago, and I live in Berkeley, so I live right outside of San Francisco, and it's very well-treated here. And it had been raining, and the dog took me another direction, and here's why. All of a sudden, I looked up the street, and a bus was stopped in the middle of the street. No cars, no nothing. A huge tree had fallen over. If he and I had been walking down that street, we would have been hit by something. And I thought, wow. So I, I'm with you. There's, there's so many different stories that we can tell that are fascinating. So do you guide people to um, get in touch with their spirit guides, or do you teach them how to meditate to um, make contact with them or to listen or to become more open? How do you do that?
1: One of the the techniques that when I do group sessions, um, I do, I use a rose technique that Amy introduced to me, which I fell in love with, which is you like, you see a rose that's closed and as the rose opens, you see light within a rose and then you step into that rose and you merge with a spirit guide because it's beautiful. Because it's all light forms, but I do it in such a way that um, like they'll see a figure that's within the light, within the rose that feels familiar with them, and the names don't need to be important. But you know who they are, you feel who they are, mm-hmm. and they feel like a best friend because you know they've been with you for your entire life.
0: Right, and they were—you were actually given a guardian angel or a spirit guide. They actually take, or they're—they're—they're they're, they're in charge of you, aren't they? In your care throughout your whole life.
1: Yes, and no. is not. that right?
0: Yeah, but you and I talked about this. You said to me, sometimes you know you'll have somebody else, or you know, come in, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we do pick a. So we pick before we incarnate, we pick a spirit guide. We sit down with that spirit guide for life. Oh, for thirty years, and we like. Mm-hmm. On average, like as you Mm -hmm. as we you know, for me it was n nine seventy one, come in seventy nine. So on average, is about thirty human years. But it's the incarnate that's in charge, Mm -hmm. because the way the way Amy has explained it is, it's the incarnate's the manager. They're the CEO. The -hmm. spirit guide is like an employee. They can't do their work if you're not communicating with them.
0: And when you ask. Mm-hmm. They are more than willing to help you.
1: Yeah, that's why prayer is so incredible.
0: Agreed. Angels, guardian angels, spirit guides, whatever people want to call them, that it it is spirit. And I know that if you need something, all you have to do is ask. And I don't know if you ascribe to a specific way of asking. I have, you know, for a long time ago... I was working in this metaphysical store and this lady asked me, "Do you ever call on the angels? And I didn't even know what she was talking about. And she said, you can call on a helper angel. This is different than your guardian angel and your spirit guide. And so she said, specific angels will help you for specific reasons. So call on a specific helper angel, use your own words and tell them I need help. Whether you need clarity you know whatever it is that you need you need to manifest something but spirit guides are a little bit different at least my experience has always been when i need something i will say you need to help me i need you to show me or reveal something to me or uncover the information right help me understand give me more knowledge you, you see what i'm saying yeah those are the things and and then also you know protect me You know, I'm, you know, so in other words, if you're saying you're going on a long road trip, you can ask your angel to protect you and your family and they do, they will, they actually engage, I believe all the other guardian angels or guides, right?
1: Yeah. They're like the facilitators. Um, I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I have an Amy um, Mm -hmm. because it's, she's not the, she's not a traditional spirit guide. Very she's very interactive. We're introducing a whole new different type of experiences. We're training spirit guides on how to be very interactive with life. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy and you. Yeah. So oh, that's great. So usually because there's so many different types of the way that incarnates and spirit guides can work, usually it's always been more reserved. It's like you'll just give them a thought or you'll give them a signpost. Mm-hmm. And but majority of the time it's is um they're they're facilitated. The more the facilitator, sorry, and then mm-hmm. Amy's come along and she's like, "Well, I don't like the way this is done. I want to be more involved, more." And she calls it a hands on, uh, a hands on approach where they're more interactive and engaging in the in in our lifetime because she believes that if we're going to go through an ascension or an awakening, the other side of uh, of the veil needs to also go through changes as well to support us in the incarnate form so she's been really introducing and it's been at times it's been challenging to introduce this completely different method in how Mm -hmm. we communicate but as she's explained it's like she's the facilitator so if i went to call on an archangel it would go to her she would get the archangel in or if he would say i need help she would actually know who specifically to bring in even though we may not
0: That's really interesting. So, if you said, "I need Archangel Saint Michael," Mm -hmm. right? She would, she would be the facilitator through you and Michael. Yes. How interesting.
1: So that's very
0: now. Why is that? Why? Why isn't? Why aren't we not direct?
1: We can be direct. So, uh, so for me, like I had a, a channel session on Friday. And they said, You've got Ganesh that is standing right next to you and is there to help you. You need to ask him for help. And then I, so I can, go, can connect directly to Ganesh. But because we're in human form and because we get amnesia when we start, when we come into the physical world, we don't know these people, we don't know these names. Um, like Archangel Michael comes across in multiple forms and multiple religions. So we can. And, you know, because there's so many billions and billions of souls, she will know who to connect with and to facilitate things that we ask for.
0: Oh, so you could go right to your spirit guide and say, I need, and they hook you up. Yeah. I know it sounds a little bit, you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So... You also talk about ascended. I'm going I don't want to move on from this, but for some reason, I'm being, you know, prompted to to talk about ascended masters. But I don't want to jump because I know you said we each have a spirit guide, and you also told me that we have ascended masters. Didn't you tell me that?
1: Yes. So when we go through this whole planning period. Um, We sit down with the spirit guide, we go, okay, so the average person has, in in a circle of for life, we have one spirit guide, two archangels, an ascended mass master and or animal totem. So, and then we can have a lot more, we can have a lot less. It all depends on personal choice. So they're the ones that we have for life, and then you can get more that come in during a certain period in time. You can have some for five years, ten years. You can have some for 20 minutes. It's It's... But we really, but That's we really, we really focus on like Amy and I. We only focus on those we have for life because they're there for your entire duration. So, and the most common and ascended master is Mother Mary. She's the ascended master for everyone on the planet.
0: Oh God, I love her. Yes,
1: and she's the most and- easiest to connect with. Yes, definitely.
0: So tell me the difference between a spirit
1: guide and an ascended master. So a spirit guide is one that has, say, like your life path. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, if a spirit guide is um, not responsive, we can bring an ascended master forward instead, and they're happy (laughs) Mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, A spirit guide is usually human. They've had human lifetimes. There's a few rules to be to be a spirit guide, so that they've had one that they've been human, and two that they're willing to be be a spirit guide because it's voluntary. Oh,
0: okay. I didn't know that. Okay.
1: I've been a spirit guide in previous lifetimes, so, um, it's, so it's a very and wow. so it's kind of like they're your best friend, and when we do and when they do like become a spirit guide, they swear an oath to be there for your entire duration of the incarnation
0: wow and and then an ascended master oh, yeah, what so, do they- so ascended Tell me
1: about that. ascended masters are a really great source for teaching so they've had the multiple human incarnations and then ascended into the say like fifth dimension or something um but usually they are they are the teachers for us so like um when we go to ancient Egypt and we talk, look at Osiris, Isis, um, and Horus, Horus is Archangel Michael, Isis is St. Germain, Osiris is Serapis Bay. And so, in, and then when I was speaking with an Ab- uh, Aboriginal elder, she introduced me to this name that I'd never heard of before. And she goes, you know them as Senat Kamara. So the Ascended Masters have been throughout all earth history in as far back as to the ancient cultures.
0: That's really fascinating. I love the Egyptian culture, by the way.
1: So, yeah, so I'm finding that they are just they're incredible teachers. Um, you can go to them. Amy has explained that's like when they're broadcasting a message, they're not so really worried about how it's translated. And she's like, that's really interesting because Amy herself is very um, uh, very fussy with how her uh, message is translated.
0: Okay.
1: um i mean it's just accuracy really and okay. yeah so i find a very difference like i'll just see the ascended masters as friends because that's why they're there um i'd be in like a channel session with ascended masters and i've never really understood why people are asking more human focused questions when they have this like unlimited light access to a library where they could ask the most interesting questions like what are origins
0: yeah and explain to us more about what the eye of Horus right is i mean there's so much there's so many interesting things to ask you know you could ask about the pyramids, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the origins and why we're here and maybe even more about the creative force if we're you know even allowed to understand or know that that to me is very fascinating
1: And it's you know, all- that's
0: something I asked all the time when I was a kid, like, why are we here? Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: That's one of the questions that um, I did ask and it was delivered as a seminar about, you know, the game of purpose. And like a lot, I've always asked why am I here and the answer is to exist, to experience. You know, mm. we've, we've just spent 30 years planning a human incarnation to go through our experiences, goals, objectives. And then because we forget all that, we don't really know. It's like, well, we're on the greatest, you know, the greatest planet that was ever created. The human is the greatest form ever created. Mm -hmm. So why can't, why it just feels like we're struggling in a system that is augmented.
0: And so being here to exist, to experience, is there anything more to it? I mean, is you know, because we do get, forgive the dog in the background. We do get really lost, yeah, you know, we we lose our way and we become bent and sad and angry and you know uh, you know what I'm saying, right? Mm, and yet yeah. we know that love is is the highest form, right? Yep. And so, why do we have to experience that the things that feel like they are the antithesis of love?
1: One of the thing. Oh, so that so that's like actually okay. We're going back to the, the connection with Amy and myself. And one of the things that I had to learn. So when I go through all the relationships that I've had, some one of them was with uh, a, you could say a psycho. Um, Is just so filled, <laughs> <laughs> just so filled with jealousy and insecurity. It's like I'll be at work. And it's like where have you been for the past eight hours? It's like I've been at work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and right. and, and yeah, it
0: makes no sense. Yeah. Right.
1: And it's like you've got access, you're living in my house. I come straight home from work. What's going on? You know? Um <laughs> and what I found, as Amy explained, is we have to go through these things to prepare ourselves for what is love. So she explained to me that through all my relationships I've had, I've I've been exploring or doing a PhD in what love is not. Mm, and I had to mm. go through those experiences in order to prepare myself to be ready for introducing to Amy's love, the pure unconditional love where I could be a complete prick and she's just going to love me no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. there in that unconditional love, I find a lot of security because I can be most vulnerable.
0: The Having a relationship with someone whether they're not incarnated or incarnated, that loves you unconditionally is the most healing love you can ever experience. So I I can definitely relate to what you're saying. Um, and I actually had a client that came to me. I was really young, so it was really hard for me to understand this, but she sat in front of me. I thought, you know, she's bullshitting me. And she said, do you believe that my, my soulmate can be, and she'd point to the ceiling, meaning in heaven or, uh, you know, not incarnated. And I said, I just shrugged my shoulders because I thought, sure, anything is possible. But that was something that she experienced as well. That was the first time I ever heard anything like that. But I do know that it, it is like being enveloped by an angelic force, when you have someone you can be a complete prick and amy knows you're just having a day you're just having a moment you don't mean it right yeah and to be able to experience and in you know a lot of my podcasts are about love dating relationships because they are so monumental and meaningful for us the people that we travel this life with whether they last like you said for 2 minutes or 2 millennia whatever it is forever and ever amen those people have a huge influence and an impact on who we are and who we become. And, you know, we can talk about all of the um, complications in, in having another person in our life. But when you have somebody like Amy, you know, it's like having a really loyal, loving dog when you come home, opposed to somebody who's saying, Where have you been all day when you've been at work all day? you know and it's not a comfortable place to be and so that discomfort actually does show you something very important but it also shows you the brokenness of the other person and it's also teaching you it's like a reflection too back to you especially of what you don't want because if i were to ask you what were your relationships like when, you know in your younger years did you experience that where somebody was distrustful of you
1: yeah i have um Many relationships. I didn't, it was really interesting. When I look at my teens, I, I didn't really have a relationship with anyone per se, except for when I met my ex wife. And that was challenging in itself because it was distrustful to start with.
0: Yeah. And you said in, in your blog, you had said, you know, she did not support you. She thought, you know, same thing, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. And, you know, that just shows us the power of the spirit, because when we can connect to our spirit guide and the spirit world, there is a love there that transcends this human love here. It goes beyond. At least that's what my experience has been. You know, you're loved and you're cared for in a deeper way. So uh, what I'd like to do before we wrap this up is, for people that don't understand how to get in contact, like they're like, where is the spirit world? Well, I, I think the spirit world is it, within you, but it's everywhere and it's nowhere. It's within you. What would you tell someone if they, for example, I mean, it's morning where you are, but this evening, if someone were going to sleep, would what would you say to them before they go to sleep about how to contact or do you have them plant a the seed? Um, to get in touch with that. What would you do or say? What advice would you give for people that don't know?
1: Okay, so for those for the, that don't know, what I would say is um, when you're going to sleep, just set the intention to m- meet your spirit guide on the other side. So when you go to sleep, we wake up on in another world, life between lives, and we work with our spirit guide there. We don't stop learning. And, but to set the intention to also not only to go to, go to our spirit guide, but to, to also try and remember. Mm-hmm. Because in that period of where we wake up, right, like just before we wake up, there's something to do with this, there's like this phenomenon with the brain that we are most connected to both sides of the veil. And there, the, that's that lucid dreaming state, and that's where the spirit guide can really focus on communication with the incarnate, and to really, and to ask to increase that level of communication. And I love tra- that, and mm-hmm. and don't ever doubt yourself because that communication always exists. Actually, there's an experience that Amy shared with me, and she's prompting me to remind it, is that she has a spirit guide friend who. Communicates through with her incarnate through frogs, no, through fish, through fish. Mm -hmm. So he has no awareness as to the level of communication, but he'll be sitting on the couch watching TV and he'll just be inspired to change the channel, and he'll be flicking through the channel, and this fish will come on the screen. Now, wow! So the spirit guide is communicating with the with the with the incarnate but the incarnate has no awareness but that's how they communicate through fish
0: that's really fascinating i my girlfriend had an experience like that and it was different though she was actually calling on a grandmother who had crossed over and she did a deep meditation in a bath one night and she said you're going to think i'm crazy but all i got was frogs pay attention to frogs So I said, all right, pay attention to frogs then. Literally, we get off the phone and my brother comes and he gives me this little green crystal frog. I took a picture of it and I sent it to her. She goes to Michael's, you know, the craft store. I don't know if you have them in Australia, but she goes to Michael's in the craft store. There are frogs everywhere. And I said to her, we need to pay attention to what this is trying to tell us, right? It was so interesting, but the message for her had something more to do with, she was asking for guidance because she was with someone who was a severe alcoholic. And so she was getting messages that way. And then eventually she was delivered the message and she understood what it was, but you are so right, Steve, when you ask they are there. They're always there. They're always going to deliver the message to you. We just have to make ourselves more and more receptive to it, more and more aware because it's everywhere. It's all around us. It's like asking for a sign, but I tell people signs always come after, right? And so that's a very important thing. If you ask, you'll be shown. You just have to pay attention and you know what? And be patient, as well. And sometimes they're showing you something and you're like, I don't want to know that. I don't want to see that. And you push that away and they're going to keep showing you the same thing over and over again. And when you take that thing that you feel you don't want to know, or you don't want to experience, that's when we get to hold it in our hands and say, why this? Show me what I need to know. Is there a way that I don't have to experience this? Can I learn something here? right without experiencing it so there's so many different ways i think do you agree with that to work with them
1: oh absolutely in multiple multiple ways there's unlimited potential and how to how I, it works.
0: I agree oh yeah so do you channel people um do you channel amy for people as well correct
1: that is the plan but oh you know my, my mind gets in the way on expectations and how I should get her to deliver. But one of the things that, but what I do do, and it's really interesting because I, I've also caught myself channeling Amy without any awareness.
0: That's usually when it is just perfectly <laughs> beautiful. Yeah.
1: It's like, I'll be talking to someone and I'll just be like, rattle, 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 all this information. And it's like when I find myself getting into like the the teacher mode that I realize that I'm channeling Amy, and I'm not doing it the same way that other channels do it. But mm-hmm. what I've also known is, or um, well, one of the other things that I do is, like I'll grab a crystal and I can channel someone's spirit guide into that crystal with their life path and Akashic record, so it all becomes about them, and it becomes like a mobile phone to communicate with a spirit guide. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, in our next podcast, we're going to talk about crystals and we're going to talk about the Akashic records and how crystals you have told me are their own entities, have their own personalities, just like plants do. And I think that that's going to open up a lot more if people can um, learn how to tap into the Akashic and understand more about what the energy of a crystal is, or we'll talk about it in another podcast, but I think it'll really help open it up for everybody to understand more. I mean, next thing, you know, I'm going to go off on crystals and the podcast will be four hours. so um <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you very much for joining me t- to our audience. stephen north is s t e v e n n o r t h dot com dot au for australia please go to his website check out his music he's got some of the most amazing music we're going to talk about that in the next podcast too thank you for for being here with me today you have just given us so much really wonderful deep information and a very spiritually
1: uplifting steve thank you so much i can say that, right. we, that we're excited
0: Yeah. Thank you, Amy, by the way. I don't want to forget about Amy. I really appreciate her presence here being with us too. So thank you everybody for joining today and listening. I hope you got something out of it. Please listen to our next podcast. And if you like this podcast, please clap for it, share it and sponsor us if you would like. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.